Today, we're talking to Justin Welsh on how to build a well-defined personal brand. Personal brands are one of those things that I kind of look at them in a couple different ways. But if you're an employee of a company, it's kind of like an insurance policy. You know, it may not make sense right now to have that extra coverage, you know, on your car or to be, you know, really investing in good health insurance and instead maybe look at it as a cost or something that just, you know, is unnecessary until you really need it. And what happens with, you know, personal brand and just to bring you back a little bit. And before we dig in, it might help to give you a little context if you're listening to the show for the first time. My name is Jason Bay. I'm the host of Blissful Prospecting. And my goal with this podcast is to really help sales teams and reps who love landing big meetings with prospects, but hate it when you go to send a cold email and the person doesn't respond or you go to make a cold call and maybe you're not feeling super confident about what you have to say to the prospect. This podcast is just for you if you relate with either of those two things. So thanks for tuning in. The thing that I was getting to earlier around personal brand is I used to work for a company called College Works Painting, and I was their marketing director from about 2010 to 2013. So this is before I left on my own to do consulting. So prior to that, I was in a sales role, and then a sales leadership role, and then a marketing and a marketing leadership role. So I got to see kind of both ends of the coin there. But one of the things that I did a lot there because I knew at some point I would be opening up a business was, you know, blogging. And I just did that at jasonbay.com, which is, I don't even have that site up anymore. But it really, what I spent some time doing was, you know, posting stuff consistently on Facebook. I had a Twitter page, which I don't use anymore. And I wasn't really using LinkedIn at the time because people weren't, you know, using that to post content, but I had my resume up there. And one of the things that that really helped me do was when I actually did go to leave on my own, I already had like a network built of people that I connected with, you know, that I was either had done business with or, you know, with that company, College Works Painting, thousands of people go through that program every couple of years. So getting to network with them and sort of accumulate those contacts and LinkedIn really helped me get my first couple clients. Um, I still get clients actually from that alumni network. So again, personal branding is like this thing that's kind of like building up this insurance policy. And I think a lot of the challenges right now that people are having is one, should I be investing in my personal brand or not? Uh, two, how much time should I be investing? Three, is it going to help me get sales? And then if I'm bought into it, what should I talk about? Is LinkedIn the place to go with for that? So if you're thinking about any of those kind of stuff right now, you're going to really love this episode. So I'm talking to Justin Welsh, who if you don't follow Justin Welsh, he is uh, was an SVP of sales at, at a company called Patient Pop. And he actually helped grow them from like zero to $50 million in reoccurring revenue. So pretty, pretty big deal. Um, and he's really big on personal branding. He kills it with his content on LinkedIn. He's someone I personally look to uh, for how to do this thing, you know, on LinkedIn and how to create content and how to build my personal brand. And we got him on the Think Outside the Script summer virtual tour. So what you're about to listen to is the audio excerpt of the webinar that we did together. And people asked a ton of really good questions. He was really great. So before we get to that, the Think Outside the Summer Script, uh, Think Outside the Script summer virtual tour, excuse me, is we have two more weeks worth of talks, depending on when you listen to this. And if you miss that period, I'm keeping the replays up too. So make sure to check it out at tour.blissfulprospecting.com. 
You're going to love talks with folks like Justin. We're talking cold email. And some of the talks, we've talked cold calling. We've talked LinkedIn. Everything really involved in helping you uh, get more out of your uh, pipeline. You know, helping you land more appointments with your ideal prospects. So if that's something you're interested in, make sure to check it out. It's free. It's live, tour.wilsonprospecting.com. And let's go talk to Justin. Yeah, I'm super excited about this because personal branding is, I don't know why, but it's kind of one of those controversial topics right now on whether salespeople should have personal brands or not. And when I was thinking about this topic and who to interview, one of the first people I thought of was Justin, because I've just followed Justin's stuff on, on LinkedIn and really you know, kind of learned a lot from his frameworks and how he creates content and his thoughts and opinions on it. And I'm super excited to have him on board today. And if you haven't heard of Justin, uh, he's an SMB SaaS advisor, executive mentor, and operator with 10 plus years of revenue leadership experience. And he works directly with SMB SaaS founders to drive scalable uh, revenue growth past $50 million. And the cool part is that he's actually done that before at a company. And one of the, his big claims to fame is working with uh, patient pop and helping them grow from zero to $50 million in recurring revenue in four years. So Justin, that was a, that was a mouthful of an intro there, uh, but I'm super excited to have you on, man. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank, thank you for thinking of me. I, I appreciate that. And thank you for that lovely uh, introduction. And uh, I'm excited to see what people want to know more about and see where it goes. Yeah. Are you able to look at the poll? Um, I don't see the poll. No. Yeah, let me share it. it. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, let me share. And then you can, can kind of have a good idea and everyone else. Like, I think everyone, it looks like wants to know like how to take action on it. And you're an extremely action, awesome. uh, action oriented person. So this would be fun. Um, I thought to kind of start it off here, we can kind of get into, you were an SVP of sales at Patient Pop for a while there. Mm-hmm. How did you think of like with your reps, how did you think of personal brand when uh, in relation to them? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I, I didn't really have a thought around my reps doing it, right? Like, yeah. I, I didn't advocate for that. I didn't shout it from the rooftops. I stumbled into it sort of sort of by accident. I had an idea that, that I wanted to create a personal brand to give myself some leverage to, you know, when, when you're an SVP of sales, the average tenure is 16 months. Wow. And so we get fired all the time. And, and uh, luckily, I was lucky to be there for five years and have a really good run. But I knew that at any moment, you know, our, our roles can change. And so I wanted to make sure I had a personal brand to fall back on. Um, but I didn't advocate it uh, for my reps because I didn't think of the way that they could use it. And I wasn't being mm-hmm. super cog- cognizant about that. And I wish I, I would have been. It was kind of Kevin Dorsey who worked for me at Patient Pop who who was really the guy who was kind of blazing the trail and I saw what he was doing and now he was leveraging his brand. And I thought, you know, what the hell, I'm gonna do the, the same thing. But now when reps from different companies talk to me, like I have a laundry list of reasons of why I believe that salespeople should be yeah. personal Yeah. So, so when you were the SVP, if someone, if you found out one of your reps was investing, let's say an hour a day, into personal brand, would any like alarms go off in terms of like, performance or anything like how did you, how would you think of it if someone did come to you and say I'm investing really heavily in this so that I can you know for my career and like all this other stuff how did you think and, and again the reason I'm asking this is that I feel like there are a lot of thoughts that leadership has yeah this too that are kind of I don't know toxic I don't know if that's the right word to use for it but that are just they don't help so I'm just kind of curious what what you would think in a situation like that back then if you're kind of go back in time a little bit I wouldn't care Um, I'm an outcomes based leader. So um, listen, do we measure inputs? Definitely like 100%. Um, But really what I cared about was that 
people felt like they were growing themselves at Patient Pop. Like I always felt mm -hmm. like if someone was, I always say hire people with side hustles, like people yeah. with side hustles, people who are branding, like those are folks in my opinion that are, that have that extra it factor, that are motivated to go out and do something different. And what I found is that when you bring those people in, it's not my business what they do outside of, you know, the work hours, mm -hmm. like that's just not my business at all. And I don't ever try and control that. And so like, if they're using it to influence their job at Patient Pop, awesome. If they're using it to influence their side hustle, like that's great the more creative someone gets the, the more the, the faster they figure things out the more valuable that they are to your business so no i, I wouldn't care at all it's actually the reverse like it, it was interesting. Really interesting like when i started building my my brands on linkedin when i was still at patient pop like i definitely had a few folks come to me and be like hey what are you what are you doing like well, tell me more about that and like kind of look at me in a strange fashion and um really? i wanted to be careful i wanted to be careful with that right i i didn't want to irritate my ceo you know but I, I didn't start doing it until I came sort of to the latter part of my career there and it established credibility and it established a really good trust with my team and with my leadership team. So um, no, I think, I think everyone should do it. I think you look at companies like Gong, you look at companies like Gravy, like Outreach, mm -hmm. and like look at how it's impacting their business. Yeah. Everybody knows the Gravy team. Everybody knows the Gong team. Everybody knows the Outreach team. And they do because their people are on LinkedIn creating content that's useful. And um, I don't know. I just think that that's a win, um, you know, for, for any brand. And Carol wrote outside of work hours. If it's inside of work hours, I, I don't really care. Like my my goal is that people hit their quotas and then some. And yeah. if if everyone goes to the water cooler, everyone takes smoke breaks if you smoke, which hopefully you don't. And ev everyone screws around at work. The apps the absolute amount of work that somebody actually accomplishes at their job is like three to four hours. Right. Yeah. So if someone wants to spend 30 minutes on LinkedIn, like it's already happening. Why, why can you miss it? Like, yeah. I just, I don't know. I'm a realist in that way. Do you think, it, do you think it, there's some old school mentality still around how B2B like marketing and like branding is done where it's like, it, it used to be so focused on the company and now there's like more emergence. Like when I think of Gong, I think of like Sarah Brazier. Um, sure. I think of uh, some of the other folks that have, like get interviewed on podcasts a lot there is, is, do you think some of it's that, or is it a combination maybe of like almost insecurity, like you're talking about, or like fear of losing people? Like, what do you think it is with folks that are still not bought into the fact that they're the people representing their company should have a personal brand and that actually helps their business. I, I think it's a, I think it's a, a quantitative measurement problem. So uh, okay. if you go out, if you go out and talk to like antiquated marketers, like if you talk to marketers who haven't been in the new style of marketing, what they do is they say like, yeah, but we can't track it. We can't measure it. And by the way, I'm yeah. not a marketer. So, so I'm not, my core competency is in marketing, but you know, they say like, oh, we can't track a LinkedIn audience. We can't track revenue that comes through mm -hmm. Sarah Brazier's posts, right? Like that's really tough to track, but it's like, not everything's trackable, right? Like look at, Look at like Rand Fishkin recently wrote a re really great blog post. He's like, you know, the old founder of Moz who now runs SparkToro, which is a tool that I use. And he wrote a great, you know, post about like, someone goes and listens to you on a podcast. They go and they Google your company. You know, they click on your website and they buy your product. Well, it's a direct buy. It's not, it came from the podcast. And like, how do you measure that? You don't, but that's why you just put out content. The more content that you put out, the bigger your brand grows. The bigger your brand grows, the more revenue you make. That's that's just sort of common sense. And if you can't attribute it, like you can feel it. You can see growth, right? You can see how many people are yeah. coming to your profile, your website. That's why I think guys like Chris Walker on LinkedIn are doing an excellent job of yep. sort of break, 
breaking down you know, the old antiquated thoughts around marketing. Dave Gerhardt does the same, and those are marketers that I admire. Interesting. So when you say like it's a quantitative problem around like how people are measuring it, this is kind of a good segue into this. How do you, when you look at your personal brand, what are some of the things that you measure to know like, hey, am I, is this heading in the right direction or not? Am I at least focusing on the right stuff? What are some of those things that you think about with your brand? Yeah, I measure like growth in some of the leading indicators, right? Mm-hmm. And so like um, people, people go online and they yell and scream about, oh, vanity metrics, who cares about clicks and likes? You should. Like it's a leading indicator of what will come out the bottom of your funnel. It just, it just mm-hmm. is. Um, I think people generally complain when they aren't getting them. And that's, that's a whole different topic. Um, but I use a tool called Shield. Shield yep. is a tool that I use. And what it shows me is how are my impressions? How are my engagements? How are my followers growing month over month, week over week, quarter over quarter? And, you know, basically that's like the top of funnel that I look at to understand, am I moving in the right direction? And then the bottom of the funnel is really easy. It's revenue. It's customers. I run my business. I run my entire business off of LinkedIn. And so like, are people signing up to have me as their advisor? Um, Are people buying the LinkedIn playbook? Are people, Mm -hmm. you know, opting into a consulting package? Um, And then there's also like middle of funnel stuff, which is stuff like this, right? Am Am I being invited to webinars, podcasts, events? So it's like leading indicators, middle of funnel sort of events, and at the bottom falls revenue. And so to me, um, that's how I measure it. There's no perfect game, but you know, I had 5 million impressions on my content in 2019 and I'm on pace for 28 million this year. So it's a five X growth. And yeah. to me, that's meant money in my pocket. Um, yep. and so that's how, that's how I measure it. Interesting. I mean, we could talk forever about vanity metrics yep. too, because that's kind of like on the outbound side of things where people are like, oh, who cares about the open and reply rates and all this other stuff? I was like, well, yeah, if you're setting a lot of meetings from your outbound, like, awesome. But you should be paying attention to whether people are opening up your emails if you're not landing any meetings from your cold emails. You know, you should definitely be looking at that. Um, so Shield app, I dropped in the uh, chat. You guys, Justin, you told me about that last week. And you're like, well, dude, it's like 10 bucks a month or whatever. Like I was having people do it manually tracking. I definitely recommend checking out that app. So you do look at vanity metrics, some of the more important ones. You're looking at overall growth. And it sounds like it's kind of a combination of causation and correlation. You're not really thinking too much about it. Is, it, is the trajectory upwards and am I growing my revenue? Yeah. And then yeah. other things that I'll look at that are, you know, also sort of in that ball game are, you know, is my website traffic growing? Yeah. Because right? generally people go from my LinkedIn profile to my website Mm-hmm. They might check out. They might check out a couple of other websites that I have, and so I keep really close eye on those things. And if something happens, like I get a spike, I always sort of drill into that. Right? Um, why did my traffic spike? Like, what was it about that day, that content, that post that mm-hmm. that led to this? And then I just break it down, and I try and use that more in the future or subsequently. Like, if people aren't going to my website, what was it about that day, that week, that month that was you know not relevant or or not, you know, valuable to my audience. Love it. Um, okay, let's let's dig in here. If we could start with a little bit of the why component on, you kind of brought up some of this where you're like, yeah, hey, I have you know, a lot of thoughts on like why a, a, a rep um, should have a personal brand or, or any sort of individual contributor. Um, why should someone care about personal brand just in general as an individual contributor that's not working in one of these executive, you know, type positions where the turnover is really, you know, crazy? And I, I guess you could make the argument that the turnover is kind of crazy on the rep side of things these days too. <laughs> I, 
I'm about to. Um, no, I, I, think, I think before before we talk about the why, I think people should understand the what. So like, okay. what it, what is a personal brand? And I think that a lot of people think that a personal brand is people going out and standing in front of a Lamborghini that they rented or sitting on a private jet that they mm -hmm. rented and, and trying to do that kind of stuff. I hate that kind of stuff. And so you'll never see me, me do any of that. To me, a personal brand online is simply an extension of your offline brand, right? So like if you're doing something really great at work or you're doing something really great building a business or you're doing something really great in your career, like a, an online brand is simply an amplification of that. So let's imagine that, you know, you just accomplished something really great at your company. Imagine if instead of only the 300 people at your company that knew about it, imagine that 3 million people knew about it. And think about yeah. the impact that that has on your career in the future. And so for me, that that's the what. I think that's like the most important thing to do is to understand yeah. the what. And then the why becomes pretty darn easy. It's control. Your personal brand is about control and leverage, right? If you look at um, what's going on in the world right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic, 23 million people have lost their jobs and suddenly everybody's trying to get employed. And when you don't have a brand, you become sort of a faceless piece of paper, right? A mm -hmm. resume PDF that you submit to an online application. Whereas when you've, when you've planted and watered a brand, you, it's not just the brand that you care about. It's the network that comes with the brand. I've met so many incredible people. You and I have met through, through LinkedIn. I've met a ton yeah. of the people who are attending these today. That's a network. Like if suddenly tomorrow I needed to get a full-time job, I've met a thousand new people over the past two years and uh, through LinkedIn that could help me get that job. And so I was talking to, um, you know, a, a young man who was a, a salesperson yesterday and he said, I was lucky not to be furloughed. Um, but if I did, I would feel confident that I could get another job because I've spent the past year growing my brand online. And so to me, it's all about control. It's all about leverage. Um, and I think it's only getting more competitive. So that's why I recommend that people get started. Yeah. God, so many good points there. The extension of the offline brand, I never really thought of it like that. It's like such an easy way to like, I mean, that just takes care of so much of the, what should I talk about, you know, piece of the equation when it's like, well, what are you, what's important to the people at your company and your reputation within the company and your friends or your current network. And like, imagine if you could just 10 X that 20 X, you know, yeah. like type of thing. And the flip side is like doing it in my opinion, the wrong way, which is like yeah. talking, talking about your company and your company's accomplishments and trying to get more customers through your, you know, your current job. Mm -hmm. Because to me, like, if your company says you have to build the brand around our business, cool. But when you get fired, are they going to help you build a personal brand? Yeah. Because that's going to happen, right? Like most of us don't get into a company at 21 or 22 and stay there for 40 years. That just doesn't happen. So you think about your brand as your, your LLC, right? It's your mm -hmm. personal business that you build so that when life throws you a curveball, you have a foundation that's set up to be successful. And that's how I think yeah. about it and why I encourage people. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about, you kind of have like a system, right? Like four steps uh, that you kind of go through. Is there, and this will probably help with like the what to post and because my, where I want to dig into is you said, you don't necessarily have to do like your company's brand. And I think a lot of 
people might be wondering like, well, what exactly does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, what does that look like? Um, so what is kind of the process that when you look at this of like the, I guess the how uh, to part of this, especially with like content and things like that and like what you talk about and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I've got a pretty lengthy process, but the first, first sort of step in, in building a brand in my, in my opinion is defining your purpose. Mm-hmm. And when I say your purpose, um, there, that there's a couple of things rolled into that. One is like, why are you doing what you're doing? Right? Like, do you want to start your own business? Do you want to be featured on more podcasts? Do you want to speak at a particular event? Like what is the actual purpose of what you're doing? Not everyone wants to do what I'm doing, which is trying to build my own business and have customers. Like other folks just might want to build a small side hustle or or do something different. So I think it's really, it's really important to understand your purpose because that helps steer the ship, right? If you're, if you're constantly going in different directions, your brand doesn't become cohesive. So you sort of have to have an, you have to have an end game that you're aiming at. Right. And that can be, you know, three to five years out, maybe you refurbish your end game every three to five years. I think that's sort of step one. Step two for me is really just identifying your ideal target audience. Mm-hmm. So, okay, with end game in mind, like who am I creating content for, right? Who, who do I want to enjoy what I write, record, talk about? And to me, like, if you look at my LinkedIn content, it's generally pretty consistent. I help people with their personal brands. I build my advisory through through you know articles and things like that. But what I do on, on LinkedIn is I talk a lot about personal branding. And so my ideal target audience are ambitious people that want to create intentional personal brands. That's how I think about it. Most of the folks that I work with are, are extremely ambitious. And most of them want to create a very intentional personal brand. They don't just want to slap a bunch of content out there and, and get some of those metrics that we talked about. They want to drive it in that direction, which is that step one, that defining your purpose. So it's defining your purpose, identifying your ideal target audience. The next sort of step in, in being helpful is identifying what I would call pillars. And pillars to me are like the rock solid things that you believe uh, are necessary for the people that you're targeting. So I'll give you an example of pillars. Um, I target ambitious people who want to build intentional personal brands. And I have five pillars that I talk about. I talk about persona. You have to have a good, strong, cohesive, and consistent persona. I talk about uh, ecosystem. You have to play within the right ecosystem of people online. There is content creation. You have to create consistent and relevant content. There's distribution. You have to find the right channels to distribute it through. And my fifth one is monetization. Once you've set up the previous four, how do you then monetize? And so those are my pillars. And pillars serve a really intentional purpose. Mm-hmm. And that is it gives you direction for your content. So you're, oh, it makes a lot of sense. So you're almost, uh, content's interesting because I, I committed, and you were a big inspiration for this at the beginning of, your, of the year to daily posting, weekday posting mm-hmm. at least. And that was like one of the hangups that I thought I was going to have at first was like what to post. And I remember you talking about the pillars thing. And I was like, oh, it kind of removes the thinking almost from the process because you have a way, like the pillars are almost filters. You kind of have a way to filter topics in and out. When you need to come up with something, you just kind of look at, well, what are the five pillars and things that I talk about? And the ideas seem to come pretty easily at that point once you've defined it. Is that kind of the thinking with this is that you give yourself almost like a guidebook or... A, uh, a framework to use and like think and 
and work within to remove the thinking from the process just a little bit in terms of deciding what you know, to talk about? Yeah, I'll take it one step further. Um, it, the pillars give you direction. And Miriam um, uh, said she didn't understand the pillars. So I'll try and add some additional context uh, for those who, who don't understand them. So the pillars are just the foundational things that you want to talk about on a regular basis mm-hmm. based on the audience that you're targeting. So for example, Miriam, my audience are people who want to build their personal brands. And so I think there are five important pieces of building a personal brand. Persona, ecosystem, content, distribution, and monetization. So that gives me the five pillars of a really strong personal brand. If you sell to, if you sell marketing software to doctors, there might be five pillars that you think every doctor needs to have good marketing. It's just sort of the pillars, right? And I'll take it one step further, Jason, in kind of getting content is I create, the next thing I create is what I call core concepts. Okay. And core, core concepts are strong opinions that are tied to your pillars, okay? And so let me give you an example. A strong opinion is something that you feel strongly about, that you, you dig your heels in, you really believe it. And I take each of my pillars and I assign one or two strong opinions. So for example, I, I used one of my strong opinions earlier in this conversation, which is your brand gives you control. Some people don't believe that. I believe that strongly. That's a strong opinion of mine. Um, other you know, strong opinions of mine are your brand is, the res- is your new resume. The resume is dead and your brand is now your resume. That's a strong opinion. Lots of people disagree. That's okay. That's my strong opinion. And so by attaching strong opinions to each one of my pillars, what I eventually get is about 10 strong opinions, right? Yeah. And so once you have a strong opinion, you have strong opinions here, then those are the things you create content about. If I wake up in the morning and I need to create a piece of content, I look at my opinions. What do I feel strongly about? And I use that to help myself formulate an idea of what I'm going to write that day. Yeah, that's so interesting because uh, I almost, I was using this analogy with someone the other day in terms of like messaging. And you almost want to think like, not like a politician, and we don't have to get into politics like that kind of thing, but the way that a politician's message is put together is like, it's going to repel over half the people in America, you know, what they're doing and what they stand for. And you're kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of operating under a similar kind of thinking where it's like, if I take a really strong opinion on something, that's good if it repels certain people away because they don't share that same opinion, but it's also going to very, very highly attract people that do feel just as strongly as I do, or potentially kind of get the fence sitters to kind of almost pick a side. Is that a little bit of the thinking? Sure. That, that's, that's about right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting <laughs> okay. because I, I, I want to be careful sort of how I frame it up, but like yeah. my goal, my goal online, I think anyone who follows me has never seen me say anything uh, mean, cruel, upsetting. I'm very empathetic and generally tend yep. to be, you know, a kind human being, but I do have strong opinions that I will stand yeah. And so I'm never divisive, but I am, I attempt to be relatively polarizing, not yeah. intention, not intentionally, but my opinions by nature sometimes repel people. You know, sometimes I'll sense, I'll say something like the resume is dead and 70% of people will say, I agree with that. And 30% of people will say that's crazy. Right. Yeah. And there's actually something that happens when, when that, when that starts to, to be the, the case, 
which is the 70% of folks who agree with you see the 30% of the people that don't agree with you and they actually get closer. They say, no, 30%, you're wrong, yeah. you're right. That's how politics works, unfortunately, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's how branding works. And um, I don't mean to pull back like the curtain, but the idea is vanilla stuff doesn't work. Going yeah. and saying, going and saying, I think that sales is hard online is not going to get a bunch of people having a conversation, <laughs> right? Yeah. It just isn't. And, and, and so what I do is I create these concepts, these very strong opinions, and I tie them to frameworks or styles of posts that I feel comfortable with. You'll notice yeah. that most of my content is created in a relatively similar fashion. And I essentially create a matrix. So I've got 10 strong opinions on the left side, and I've got, I've got six types of posts that I have across the top. Mm -hmm. And I just mix, I mix and match. And I create content on a regular basis. And that helps me stay focused. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I noticed about your stuff too, is it's very, um, it's polarizing, it's contrarian, it's very opinionated. It's got like, there's no, like, I'm never questioning what does Justin think about this topic? <laughs> you know, like that's very uh, clear. And um, so we got a couple of interesting questions that are relevant to this. Um, sure. So Jen Ferguson asks, and this is, I think kind of fits into the pillars and the core concepts part of thing. Uh, you know, what would your advice be for women in sales considering how some, they are sometimes perceived or judged? Um, based on their gender. Yeah, I mean, I, I think first I would I would want to understand who's your audience, right? Mm -hmm. um, depends on what you're trying to do with your brand. So if you're trying to, you know, build a community of strong saleswomen, I think uh, the way that you use your voice is different than if you're, you know, challenging the traditional, you know, male-dominated executive room. Um, I think your voice sounds different, but in my opinion, Jen. I look at someone, um, and I'm struggling for her name right now. She's an HR um, young lady in HR who is pretty intense about you know um, some of the racial stuff that's going on. And I love it. I love her strong voice. And so, like, my advice for you would be: be yourself. Like, have a strong voice. Have strong opinions. If you believe that women are treated differently because of their gender. I would love to see you go out and challenge that. I would love to see you go out and drive people um, in a direction where you know that's no longer the case. I wouldn't tiptoe around it because to me, that's, that's not being yourself if that is in fact who you are. So my advice would be be yourself and, and have those strong opinions. And although people will disagree with you, that's okay. Those that agree with you, they will be in your corner. That's how I think about it. Love it. So we got another... So if we kind of look back through the system that you just you know, kind of shared that framework, Vlad's got an interesting question here too. And I think this applies to a lot of folks you sort of alluded to, you know, what do you think about building a, both a personal a brand around sales and in your professional brand around the industry? Is that something that people think about doing at the same time? Do you, do, do you pick one or the other? Like, how do you think about the audience part of this and who your yeah. content's for? Yeah, to me, I think the, the more narrow focus you have, the better. Mm -hmm. So I would pick one or the other. So I, I build my brand not around my, my industry. I built my brand around who I want to work with. And I love working with ambitious people. 
Yeah. So I started to build my brand around that. And I try and stay very laser focused on creating a brand around that one thing. Because to me, and Ray knows this, who's on this call, because Ray and I have been working together a little bit on our brands. Um, I've had this interesting balance of sales leader for 10 years, but also person, but also guy who's starting to talk a lot about personal branding. And that's actually been relatively challenging. Yeah. And so for, for me, I'm trying to figure out how to roll those into one cohesive message. And um, right now I'm just focused completely on personal branding and would recommend that you pick one thing and sort of stick at it. Yeah. So this kind of, because I know other people, I've seen this and other people kind of think of this, like as a salesperson, if I choose that my brand is I want to find peers and folks like myself and, and share what I'm learning in sales, that you're saying that that's, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that's an okay, good thing to do. And if you're going to do sure. it, go really hard in that direction. And yeah. As, as a reminder, I don't, I don't dictate what's okay and what's not okay. Mm -hmm. Like to me, yeah. what's, what's okay is whatever they want the outcome to be. Right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe the outcome is that you don't care about making extra money. You don't care about career advancement. You don't care about being on podcasts. You care about none of those things. All you want to do is build a stronger network of sales professionals. Cool. That's awesome. And if you want to do that, then that's how you aim your content is to, to build that network. Got it. Yeah. That's interesting because I, a lot of the ways that we find people for our podcast is like, I'm trying to find those reps, you know, that are doing well with prospecting. And one of the first things I look for is like, who's posting content on LinkedIn and sharing what's working for them. And that's really, like you said, that's, I mean, I'm finding people through that. And I find, I see that a lot where it's not necessarily like Sarah Brazier's stuff is good. It's like benefits her personal brand and the business brand. Like, I think she has like, that's what I love about it. It's like, there's awesome alignment there, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that aligned from what it sounds like um, and still kind of accomplish the goals that you're trying yeah. to. And, and I like, I love that you always come back to the why it's like, what's important to you? What are you trying to accomplish? It almost doesn't even really matter what it is as long as you know what it is and you focus on and have like a really narrow focus on that thing. Yeah, totally. And, and um, Jeremy asked a really good question. He said, do you recommend approaching personal branding differently if you're seeking a job versus starting a side hustle or a business? And I think this is really interesting. Like if you're out there seeking a job, you're one of a mil like millions of people right now doing that. And that is against you right? That's unfortunately, that's, that's sort of against you. This is a great opportunity to get really creative, right? If I were out of work right now and I was seeking a job, I would absolutely document my journey of trying to find one, right? Like yeah. who doesn't want to follow that? Who yeah. doesn't want to say like, wow, you know, I hope Jeremy gets a job. If Jeremy said like, hey, today I sent out five resumes. I tried these five templates for cold emails. I connected with this many people. This worked, this didn't. Like what a journey, right? What a cool journey for other people who are trying to land jobs to follow. And that will move up. Yeah. Managers will, man, people will say, hey, are you following this guy? He's doing something really interesting over here. Eventually that will turn into you know, job interviews. And if you're really good at what you do and you're really good at documenting your process, it actually shows people how you work. Yeah. And your level of detail, like that, that is how I would get creative if I didn't have a job right now. That's really interesting too, where you're kind of thinking like, how do I showcase just my skills? You know, cause you're kind of taking care of a lot of what someone for jobs would be filtering for that they don't really have a test for someone's competency necessarily in these areas before they interview them, you know, kind of thing. Um, Richard Smith asks a really good question too. Like when you built your brand on LinkedIn, 
how much of your audience growth would you attribute to you posting your own content versus like commenting, engaging? So how do you kind of think of the ratio of like creation versus engaging uh, with yeah. other folks? I, I, I don't know exactly, but I, I like to think it's 50, 50. Oh, so wow. okay. I do something called, and remember one of my pillars is ecosystem. Yeah. And what I, what I mean by ecosystem are the people that you interact with on a regular basis online. And so let me give you an example of my ecosystem. Um, I think that ambitious people want to build intentional personal brands. We've talked about that. But who else is you know, likely to want to build a personal brand? A lot of times people who are just graduating school, right? They're mm-hmm. coming into the workforce. They're trying to get their resume in order. And they're also trying to look good online to attract potential employers, right? So who are some folks that serve that group? Well, we've got Austin Belsack right? He's on LinkedIn serving that group. We've got uh, Madeline Mann. She's on LinkedIn serving that group. So I interact with those people on a regular basis. And I start to make myself familiar to their audience. And so their audience sees me interacting with them on a regular basis. And when they do that, I don't, it's not stealing. It's, it's sort of borrowing, right? Their audience comes over and says, I'm also going to pay attention to what Justin's doing. And because I'm trying to get my resume in order with Austin over here, man, it might be a really good thing to get my personal brand in order with Justin over here. So I think of people who target my similar groups with, with a slightly different offering. And so those are the people that I generally interact with. And then I create friendships with those guys. Like I'm, I'm now friends with Madeline and Austin. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've, I've had some dinner with them and done Zoom meetings. And so that extends your network. And suddenly, you know, you can make your network a little bit deeper through their connections. That's how I think about ecosystem and, and talking about uh, talking on other people's content. Got it. So it's kind of looking at who's already got an audience of people that they're talking to that's similar to yours. And like, how can you kind of uh, participate, you know, in the conversations that are already happening versus looking at it like I have to do it all myself, you know, from scratch, that's, which is just super daunting. That's right. I, I, when, I'm, when I'm coaching people to build their brand, what I say is create content on a regular basis. And also go add really thoughtful commentary on other people's content. So I do that through a little hack that I use because unlike Twitter, LinkedIn does not notify you when you're, when people that you want to follow create content. So I look at people like I'll use Austin and Madeline as examples. Mm -hmm. I look at their posts and I see generally when they release new content, usually about 8am my time. And I simply select a bookmark that goes right to their recent activity in my bookmarks folder. And each morning at eight o'clock, I go open up Austin's profile and Madeline's profile and I comment on their stuff. I'm usually first, second, third on their, their comment list. And by the end of the day, I'm the most relevant comment. And generally I'll pull 50, 75, 100 followers from their audience yeah. and add them to mine. Meanwhile, my content's rolling in the background. Um, as you can probably tell, like I, I have a system. And someone asked earlier, how much time do I spend doing this? This is my job. So um, I spend about an hour each morning from 7.15 to 8.15 interacting with folks um, and also commenting on other people's stuff. And then I revisit my content for half an hour in the afternoon. And then each weekend, I spend about two hours creating my next week's content. So not that much time, but um, for someone whose entire business runs on LinkedIn, you know, it's, yeah. it's time well spent for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you just shared such a big 
I almost hate even calling it a hack because it, that implies that it doesn't take work. But the, engaging with other people's stuff and being the first to comment, Dale Dupree does a really good job of this too. I always see people's stuff where someone will post something like Gary Vee even, and you'll see one comment in there from you or Dale or someone. It's got like you know hundreds of likes and comments on it and stuff. And and you're not just saying, "Hey, good job, love the post." Like the stuff that you put on there is extremely like well thought out. You're trying to share some value, and so I yeah, it's that's such a great technique. Yeah, it's to me, brand is about momentum. Yeah, and so my content, like I said, rolling in the background. I'm always interacting with people. I don't just post and go. I don't post and ghost like a lot of people do. I I want to talk to people. I want to, mm. you know, Dale's last name is Dupree. Um, yeah. I, I I talk to people uh, uh, every morning. I've created some really great friendships um, through my my content, which is a really cool outcome of of creating it. And um, you know, I I want to interact meaningfully with people, and so I I do that every morning and. Uh, it's an hour well spent for my business and for me. Uh, uh, that's great. Uh, I have another question. I think this is really applicable to everyone. I'm going to totally mess up your name here. Sorry. In advance, uh, Sai Akil Satyalavula. <laughs> my bad. Uh, so as someone still relatively new to sales, less than three years of experience, how do you start building a personal brand since lack of experience might make it difficult to get people to care about what you say? And uh, so yeah, anyone that's kind of new to their industry or their job or whatever, like, how do you figure out what to say? And do you have to be the expert? No. What is an expert? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I don't understand what an expert is. Like, um, for, let me give you an example. I built a business from $0 to 50 million in recurring revenue. It's a pretty mm -hmm. big accomplishment, but Mark Roberge at HubSpot built it from zero to a hundred. If I went and, and said to myself, man, you know what? There's like, there's a guy who built a bigger company than me. So I'm not an expert. I should never get started. Then I would have never gotten started. And so what I yeah. recommend is you might only have, you might only have three years of experience, but you're kind of an expert compared to people who have two years or one year or mm -hmm. zero years of experience. So to me, what I think about is the people that you can influence are the folks who are one rung on the ladder below you right? Yeah. Who, who need to learn the things that you have already learned. And so if I were you and I had three years worth of sales experience, let's say you're an account executive and I don't know if he is or, or not. Um, I would start creating content aimed at folks who are SDRs, who are hoping to become account executives someday. And, be, and you're sharing knowledge that is, I guess, technically expertise, right? Because they haven't been account executives yet. And so always look just sort of hierarchically one rung below you on the ladder and say, how can I positively impact these, these folks? Mm -hmm. To give you an example, I have 55,000 followers and a decent LinkedIn profile. I try and teach people that have five or 10 or 15 that want to keep growing their account, how to grow. Austin's got 400,000 followers. Like if, like if, if I was going to learn from someone, I would want to learn from someone like him who incorporates SEO and things like that. So like you got to look where you're at on the ladder and just look below you and start teaching people and, and people will be really excited to learn. from you. Yeah. And then you mentioned something so important earlier, this, again, this part of documenting, just sharing, share what you're learning. You know, uh, I, and just so you know, Blissful Prospecting, we've been in business since December of 2017. So I haven't been in our business doing this exact thing for an extremely long time uh, either. You know, so you don't, it's just like length of time that you've been doing something is not necessarily correlated to your skill sets either. 
Um, love it, Justin. Uh, there's another question. I think that's really relevant to a lot of folks. Kashal asks, how do you balance the authenticity with a shining light on yourself on LinkedIn? Do you gloss <clears throat> it all? So how do you think about how authentic your stuff is and how vulnerable maybe you want to be or transparent, I guess? How do you think about that? Yeah, well, I create sort of a, um, a brand personality for myself and it's actually just my, it's just my personality, right? And so yeah. g generally there are three things that go into my brand personality. One is empathy. Um, I always respect and appreciate everyone's circumstance, right? So you'll never hear me talking poorly about someone because of uh, where they come from, their income level, what job they do. That's just not yeah. part of my brand because that's who I am as a human being. The second thing that I, I think about, about myself is thoughtful. I like to think that when I am writing content that I'm relatively thoughtful about the world in general. And then the last one is polarizing. I, I do have strong opinions. Um, so when I write content, I read it back to myself and I say, is this empathetic? Is this thoughtful? And does it have a strong opinion? And if it's none of those things, uh, I, I, won't, I won't release it because it's not authentically me. And um, I don't shine a light on myself. Uh, if you read back through my content, you'll very rarely, if ever, see content that says, look at me, I did this really tremendous thing. What, yeah. I will say, what I will say is, hey, if you're looking to do X, here's a really cool way that I figured out that was helpful for me. And I share that with my audience. If you look at the last two weeks worth of postings, it's just step-by-step -step guides for doing some really cool things with their brand. Mm -hmm. And I don't frame it up by saying my brand is so unique or wonderful. I just say, hey, this has worked really well for me. I thought it might work well for you too. So I wanted to share it with you. And I think that's how you come across as not having an ego and, and being yeah. arrogant. I don't, I don't follow anyone like that. I don't like that kind of content. You bring up a really good point there too. I'm curious with the consulting, any advisory work that you do, do you approach it in the same way with the people that you work with on that level too, where you're not coming in and saying, hey, I'm the expert. I've been there, done that. You need to do it this way. Are you coming in more as a peer and saying, hey, I've done this before. Here are a lot of the things that I've learned and here's the frameworks that we teach. Like any thoughts on that? Yeah, I come at it in a very similar fashion, which is yeah. um, I don't think I have a special uh, 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 information or talent because I built a business successfully. A lot of that was luck. Yeah. Anyone, who, anyone who's done something really great in, in their life who tells you it was all them is full of shit, right? <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had a lot of luck on my side in building that yeah. business. So when I, when I meet with founders, I say the same thing, which is I don't have all the answers, but what I can be is a second set of eyes and ears to help you talk through an idea that might be really difficult, mm -hmm. right? And hopefully, based on my experience, I can help you avoid some expensive mistakes, avoid some wasted time, and help your business grow. I'm just, um, I know that's how my dad acts and he didn't have an ego. And so when yeah. I see these sort of chest thumping ego, egoists on, on social media, it's just not my jam. Yeah. No, I love that. I think it's such an important thing to note is that people that have done what you did, like at patient pop and then what you help your customers do, this is not like a, there's not like a ton of people out there that do that type of work and can help companies with it yet. You are, so you're, very high on the uh, scale of like skill and like all that other stuff and be able to help people, but you're still not coming at it. Like I'm a guru and like, even at the level that you're at, you know what I mean? Where you're like, I know everything like and bringing ego to the equation. And, and the reason why I asked that question is I think there's a lot of 
thinking that like, I need to get to the point to where I can have an ego and tell people what to do. And it's just not really about that. And at least in the style that you were doing it and that I'm a big proponent of as well. Yeah. I've never had someone come to me and say, I really like you because you have a big ego <laughs> or I, or I really like somebody else. because they have a big ego. So to yeah. me, it's just, a, it's a moot point. It doesn't, yeah. it, it, I think, um, you know, I don't care about being right. I care about getting it right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think that, when you have a thought process like that, that comes through as um, authentic. And I think mm -hmm. that when you see chest thumping egoists, you know that they're making up for something. And I don't, I don't feel the need to do that. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, Jeremy asks, what are some of the top apps and tools that you use to assist in creating your personal brand beyond LinkedIn? Is there anything else that you yeah. use? You yeah, mentioned Shield. Yeah, I use a ton of stuff. Um, so for me, like I'll use Shield to sort of measure my results. Um, I use Buffer because <clears throat> I plan my content. Content creation to me requires creativity when you're feeling mm -hmm. creative in your creative space. So like when I'm feeling creative, I'll sit down and create as much as I can, right? I'll just dump stuff into Buffer, which is a, Buffer is a tool, by the way, if you're not familiar, a tool to help schedule your postings. Um, so I use Buffer for that. And if I'm not feeling creative, I don't write. Um, you know, shield is for the, the stuff. And then I think another tool that I use um, is card, C-A-R-R-D.co. I use that for simple one-page websites. Um, if I want to drive people to a landing page, I'll, I'll use something like my card. And then I use two other things that are really important for me. One is um, Pocket. So Pocket is a Chrome extension. And whenever I'm going around online and I see something that's interesting, I click the pocket icon and it saves it to my online pocket. And so on Saturday morning over a cup of coffee when I'm trying to create some, some unique content, I revisit all the interesting stuff I saw that week to try and you know get my brain flowing, to try and get some ideas going. I'll, I'll use something like that. And then I'll use Feedly, which is F-E-E-D-L-Y. And that's an RSS reader. So I'll just pull in a bunch of blogs from Sales Hacker, John Barrows, like people that I respect, right? Um, who that just comes naturally into my feedly and I can review all those and say, Oh, here's some interesting things. I disagree with that. I think that that would be a great post is to write the opposite of that particular thing. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I just try and bring content into my feed all the time so that my brain has something unique to think about come, come the weekend. Gotcha. Yeah. That's super cool. I just threw those into the chat uh, for you guys as well. So the process we have again is like, you think about purpose and your why, the target audience, and then the pillars. Cause I see a lot of people kind of asking questions around this. How did you come up with those pillars or is maybe a better way to think about that or ask that question is how should someone that's trying to define those pillars, what are some questions they might ask themselves or anything along those lines to help define what those pillars are to give them, you know, kind of the sure. guidelines for content. We'll use, the, we'll use the example from earlier, which was someone said they only had three years of experience, right? Yeah. Let's say that they're an account executive and they want to help SDRs learn about how to become great account executives because they were an SDR one day back in the day themselves. So pillars to me are the most important things to deliver to your audience. So the question that I would ask myself out loud is, if I were coaching an SDR and, and I'm playing this other young man who has three years of experience, if my goal is to coach SDRs to become incredible account executives, what do I think the three most important things a great account executive has to have? Or 
what do I think the three most important things are that an SDR needs to learn to become a great account executive? Yeah. And those to me are the foundation. It's the fundamentals of what you're teaching. And that gives you umbrella topics to talk about. And then if you think about the three, you know, things or five things that you, you determine are your pillars, you start thinking, what are strong opinions I have about these pillars? Yeah. So, and that starts formulating a list of strong opinions and strong opinions equals good content. And so if you have a list of those things, you can revisit them. Or let's say you read a really interesting article and you think about how does one of my strong opinions apply to this article? And by doing that, you can create a great piece of content. And so that to me is how I do it because it keeps me focused so that I don't sit down with a blank piece of paper and think, what the hell am I going to write today? Yeah. No, dude, I love that. It's very simple questions oftentimes are like, the ones that we think are so simple that we don't ask ourselves those. And I love that if I were coaching so-and-so, what are the three most important things, you know, that need to like, that you need to know and do as you know, an SDR in your case that you shared. Um, So that defines our core concepts and defines like our opinions and that sort of stuff. Is there any, like, when you think about how your personal brand has grown since you really started taking LinkedIn seriously, is there anything that was unintended like in a good way that happened that was like completely unexpected? Yeah, what we're talking about right now. Um, in, interestingly enough, when I, when I went to build this brand, I went to support a consultancy, right? I was building a brand around helping founders grow sales yeah. teams, grow their business. And I'll give you the quick story. It'll be a nice round out here. Um, I was having lunch with Kevin Dorsey, KD. Most of you guys probably know KD online. Um, Katie and I worked together for many years and he was at my house in LA having lunch before the pandemic. And, um, I said, man, I'm thinking about creating some courses for founders or salespeople to help grow sales or help grow their business. And he's like, man, there's so many, there's so much of that stuff out there. He's like, why don't you just teach people what you're doing on LinkedIn? Because that's really cool. And I'm, I'm wondering how you're doing it. A bunch of people are wondering how you're doing it. Why don't you create stuff around that? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I never thought about that. And he was like, yeah, you should do that. You're already doing it. Why don't you just document what you're doing, right? Which is something that I tell people now. And I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Um, so this was completely unintended, right? Like mm-hmm. I, knew, I knew that I wanted to build a brand, but I never knew that I wanted to help people with it. And I really like it. So, you know, more power to it, I guess. No, that's cool. I- that's something, have you found that as a business owner too, where you go in thinking one thing and then if you just kind of have faith that like, Hey, if I do the right stuff and I'm helping people and like, I feel good about what I'm doing and I'm purposeful, like things are generally going to work out. And like, I just need to kind of, uh, one thing I always talk to my wife, Sarah about is like giving yourself the opportunity to be surprised, you know, in a good way. Yeah. I think I, I believe that if you work hard and you're consistent and patient, you, if you follow my content, you've seen me use those two words together before. If you're consistent and you are patient, I believe that generally things work out. And so I'm taking it down this path and I really enjoy it. And maybe this path takes me somewhere different than I'm not expecting, but I'm along for the ride and I'm excited to see where it goes. Love it, man. Love it. I think we got time to maybe take it to one more question here before you get a wrap up. Um, 
So Michelle asked this question. It's at the top of the Q&A list here. Lots of posts recently about vetting who you're listening to on LinkedIn and folks getting personal LinkedIn messages attacking like their credibility. I see this a lot in the sales space, especially. Um, what's the best way to start growing your brand when you're not considered an expert? And if I added you know, kind of a caveat to that, um, should you care? Or should you be thinking about when you post that people might attack me you know, for this? I block people instantly. I don't care. Yeah. I don't. I don't have time to engage with folks that um, you know aren't positive. I, I'm a. I'm a positive guy, and so when people are negative, I just. I usually say. I'll usually try one thing. I'll say like, I'm so sorry you didn't like this. You know, I'll try. I'll try something different tomorrow, and maybe you'll like that. I'm like, I don't. I don't engage in negativity. I don't get in fights. I just don't have time, and so like. You know, and by the way, when people write negative things on your stuff, it just pushes your your core audience closer to you. You're forming a family of, of, of yeah. people that, you know, feel and think the same way. So it's actually a good thing for you. But if people are nasty or negative, I just I just block right away all the time. Um, yeah. and I never I never think twice about it. That's interesting. You yeah. kind of sort of brought this up earlier too, where when you post stuff that's a little more polarizing, you get these people that are kind of like on Justin's side. Cause I see this all over LinkedIn. There's people that come, not come to your rescue. Like you need to be rescued. But when people are saying bad stuff about you, you have this like army of people that will go comment, uh, either defending you or saying, Hey, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, Justin doesn't think that, or he's right because of this reason or whatever it might be. So, um, but Hey, dude, this was really good. Uh, appreciate your time, man. Great questions on everyone's end here. And before you take off, like, what's the best way people can connect with you? Like, what do you got going on? Yeah. Um, if you're interested in growing your personal brand and you want to do it in a really affordable way, there's all these people selling thousand dollar courses out there. I have a $50 course. If you want to learn all the things that I do to build my brand, it's just simply at the LinkedIn playbook.com. That's the LinkedIn playbook.com. If you want to build your brand for 50 bucks. And uh, if you want to connect with me, you can email me at hello at the official justin.com. Uh, or you can just follow me on LinkedIn. And I just dropped a link in there for the LinkedIn playbook. So make sure to check that out. And my one ask you guys uh, before you take off here is the recording is going to go up tonight. So if you got value from this conversation, uh, please like share it with one other person that you would think uh, would find it helpful and appreciate everyone for tuning in. Justin, appreciate your time, man. This is killer. Great to see everyone. Hope everyone has an awesome weekend. Cool. Later everyone. See ya. Bye. See ya. That was a fun one. My biggest takeaway from that, that I want to start implementing is he almost has these like values that he's written down on his like opinions on things and where he shares very strong beliefs. And he almost uses it as like bumper guards, you know, bumper rails, if we're using a bowling analogy to kind of like make sure that he's in his lane of the things that he knows that he's really passionate and opinionated about that pe the people that he's creating this for will care about too. So that was my biggest takeaway. But I'd love to hear from you. You know, Go check out the tour, tour.blissfulprospecting.com. If you enjoy this podcast, I would love, love a review. Um, just on iTunes, if you go to blissfulprospecting.com slash iTunes, or you can just go in your podcast player. If you're listening on the podcast app, if you scroll to the very bottom, it's kind of hard to find. Click rating and review. I would love an, a short, honest review from you. It really helps us continue to get great guests on like Justin. So thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you later.